and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're here to briefly talk teachers. How do you even begin to measure their effective practice? I know a lot of our listeners here are teachers and likely interested in the findings of what we're going to talk about today. Luckily, we're here with the director of the Center for Education Policy Research and the deputy director of the U.S. Education Team for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He is the man behind the research and the man who will hopefully share his research. Welcome to the EdCast, Thomas Kane. Thanks very much. Professor Kane, we have new findings. 3,000 teachers, seven urban school districts, quick overview of the measures of effective teaching project. So the whole point of the project is to find some ways of providing feedback to teachers that's not just limited to student achievement gains. So as you know, this has been a huge um, debate in many states and districts. How are we going to try to identify our most effective teachers? And um, And we think the answer doesn't lie in test scores alone. It'll have to lie in some other measures. So we went out and we said, well, gosh, how how are we going to do this? So we we videotaped in teachers' classrooms four times over um, each of two school years. We also asked their students to provide uh, feedback. that's the way I get evaluated every semester here in higher education. So we wanted to see how well it performed in, in K-12, um, where it's, you know, virtually nobody does it now. And um, third, we developed an assessment of teachers' pedagogical content knowledge. Um, and, and we're seeing how all of those measures are related to students' achievement gains. So can you... Are there, can you sort of triangulate the problem? Rather than rely on any one measure, can you triangulate the problem and, and, and find a combination of measures that's most predictive? And what kind of informed you to use the measures that you just described? And then how, you know, what were some yeah. of the findings? So, so you know, we didn't want to just have multiple me- measures for the sake of being multiple. So in every classroom, there are three entities um, present the teacher, the student, and the content. So imagine a triangle with with those three um, uh, vertices. So we we just wanted to make sure we had at least one measure of each side. So students' relationship to the content, we're measuring with student achievement gains on the state tests, as well as some supplemental assessments that we gave. Teachers' relationship to the student, we're measuring that with the student perceptions. Teachers' relationship to the content, we're measuring with the, um, with the test, the teacher's pedagogical content knowledge. And then the classroom observation, we're just trying to see how all three of those come together. What were your findings uh, amongst the three measures? Was one more effective than the other? Did, did two really win out and one wasn't as uh, yeah. important? So here was sort of an unexpected... Um, uh, you know, sort of an epiphany I feel like I, I came to in the last few months. That, um, and it, I have to owe part of it to, my, to the wisdom of my six-year-old boy who, you know, if you're going to go out and look for a team of superheroes, you don't want three supermen. You want to have, like, uh, a guy who can stretch. You know, you want to have somebody who's super strong, 
and you want somebody who can run really fast, right? You don't want them each to have the same superpower. You want to have different superpowers. And I think that's what we've learned is that each of these measures has a different superpower. So if you're trying to find a, um, find a measure that is predictive, if you're trying to find a measure that identifies the teachers who are most likely to have large student achievement gains with different groups of students, the measure with that superpower is value added. But it has weaknesses too. One of its weaknesses is you know, it, it's relatively volatile. And, but its biggest weakness is it doesn't give you any um, diagnostic feedback. It doesn't tell you what you might do differently. The second measure, um, student feedback, the student surveys, it has moderate predictive power. It's not as predictive as value added, but it's moderate. Its superpower, believe it or not, is reliability, you know, lack of volatility. And, and at least at first, that w we found that that was a little surprising because, but it makes sense in, in retrospect that the two things that make a classroom observation hard to do is that um, different raters will have different judgments and that practice varies from lesson to lesson, even for the same teacher. So as the content varies, practice changes some too. Now, with the student surveys, even though any individual student is not going to be as discerning as a trained adult, you get to average over 35 students rather than you know one or two observers. Um, and the students are there 180 days a year, not just three or four. So, so the, the student survey, its superpower is reliability. The classroom observation was um, less predictive than the other two of, of student achievement gains. Reliability w was moderate. It depends on how many observations you do. If you do uh, three or four, you could you could get um, uh, reliability in the range of what we're seeing with the classroom with the student surveys. But its real superpower is the potential for diagnostic insight to teachers about here's here's a particular strength or here's a particular weakness. People are much more likely to listen to feedback from peers or from an observer than they would um, certainly listen to value added. So. Um, so rather than look for one, we think actually the combination is more powerful than any of them individually. So if that's the you know, great way to evaluate teachers, this sort of three-tiered measured approach, how, how scalable is that sort of across the country that you can use these three measures to get really great teacher evaluation, but is, is that scalable? So. Uh, the value-added measurement, at least in the grades and subjects where there are assessments now, is fairly you know, straightforward to scale. In fact, a lot of states and districts are developing that capacity now. The student survey, which is, is um, rare, that too is something that is, is scalable. Now, it's not quite as easy as just administering a survey because they're there, it's important to um, have some um, safeguards that protect students' confidentiality. Um, um, 
But that's doable, and actually it's, it's relatively cheap. The hardest thing to do is the classroom observation, which, by the way, is, is the only thing in most school districts. They're, they're doing the hardest thing first. Um, and we're trying, to, so the Gates Foundation is trying to do some things to make that easier. So, so one of the things that we learned was you can't just train people on an instrument. You need to make sure they can use it. So, um, so what we did in our project was we, um, before observers were able to observe, they had to watch some pre-scored videos that had been pre-scored by experts on a particular instrument. Well, um, states and districts ought to do the same, that, that they ought to, before they allow observers to go out and observe in the classroom, they ought to check to make sure people can actually score with some level of accuracy, that, they, that there's some consensus about what effective teaching looks like. So we're going to be making available videos from the MET project, which school districts could um, have some of their experts pre-score using whatever instrument they want to use for doing classroom observations. And then the, we'll be providing some software that would allow um, uh, uh, school districts to make sure that, that to have potential observers score those videos and the software will flag scorers who are way off track. Well, so you're putting out all this really great information, this great research. Well, I mean, what has been the reactions in the teaching communities about this? You know, it, it's funny. So these 3,000 teachers that are working with this are all volunteers. And in each of these sites, um, the union locals helped do the recruitment. And I think th the reason is that people understand that right now value-added is feasible, but these other measures need to be developed. And so, I, so, um, so Randy Weingarten ha has said publicly, look, you can use student achievement, but it can't be the only thing, and we completely agree with that. Um, the point, though, is there's not much else that people feel co comfortable with, and, and the whole point of the project is to try to develop those other things. What would you say to, say, a, a parent who's at home right now or someone who's a five-year teacher right now, and they, they look at your research, what would you want their big takeaway to be? Would you, what would you want as a sort of call to action that they're done listening to this podcast? What can they do tomorrow to sort of enhance not just the effectiveness of their practice or their, their child's uh, teacher, but you know, what, what can they do to make their education experience better based on this research? So for teachers out there, they should be demanding better feedback from their um, school districts and their supervisors to allow them to improve their practice. Right now, they're out there trying to, you know, improve their practice um, all by themselves, and they're, they're receiving very little, you know, feedback to help. I mean, so just, so in the next two weeks, Tom Brady, in preparing for the Super Bowl, he's going to be, you know, watching four to six hours of himself every single day. You know, he'll be reviewing the passes that he made, the decisions that he made, watching game film, not just of him, 
the other team, but of himself, trying to say, what did I miss? What, what could I, should I have done in such and such a situation? Teachers are getting none of that. And so um, using classroom observations, using student feedback, using evidence from student achievement gains to improve practice, that's what teachers ought to be asking for. Parents ought to be insisting that their school districts are paying attention to this. The, the crazy thing is that for four decades we've known that there are huge differences in, in, um, in student achievement gains in different teachers' classrooms. Yet we've been behaving as if just the opposite were true. Like we've not been paying any attention to practice in the classroom. Uh, which, as crazy as that sounds, it, it's true. And it's, it's about time that school districts start to invest in the infrastructure required to measure effective teaching, to give feedback to teachers, to allow supervisors to make more responsible decisions, um, and, and to you know, ensure a focus on excellent instruction, not just test scores, although that should be part, I think, but focus on excellence in instruction as, as measured by in the best way we can through, um, you know, the best way, classroom observations, and I think those will just be getting better over time. Digital video um, uh, is, has barely entered uh, the K-12 space, and, and I, I think uh, that'll take off, as well as student surveys. And I, I think there'll be dramatic progress in the next few years if, if teachers and parents demand it. Professor King, where can people find out more about this? I know you have a website for the MET project. Yeah, so, um, so this report, the report we just re released a couple weeks ago, and as well as a prior report and future reports, will all be available at a, a website, www.metproject.org. Professor Kane, from superhero references to Tom Brady metaphors, my feedback to you <laughs> on this podcast <laughs> is you were quite an excellent guest. Well, well, thanks very much. I enjoyed it. You ask great questions, too. <laughs> this has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.